What's up, gang? This is Derek M. Cook, and you are listening to Monster Kid Radio. This is episode, I believe, number 64. I'm not in front of my computer, so I don't know for sure. I'm not in the computer because I'm actually at the gym right now, getting ready for tonight. See, this episode is going out on Thursday, January 16th, tonight at 7 p.m. at the Hollywood Theater. I am going to watch El Santo. Blue Demon and Mil Mascaris fight some mummies for the first in a series of three films being put on by Fusion Art here in Portland. It's part of the Cinescopio event. We are watching some Lucha Libre films, and I'm going to be there. It's a Monster Kid Radio crash event, and I want to be ready. If El Santo looks at me in the audience and says, Derek, I need you in here, I got to be ready to tag in. So I'm working out a little bit while you're listening to Monster Kid Radio and to the song. Parada de Plomo, which is from Dirty Surf. It's on their album, Luchen Cantan Sengren, and it appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio with their permission. Now, this episode is part two of our discussion with Joe Stuber from the IndieCast and Comic Book Central. We're going to keep talking about one of his favorite films. Well, he loves all these movies, but Abbott and Costello meet the killer. Boris Karloff is on deck. We talked a little bit about what went into the making of the movie, a little bit about the plot in part one a couple of days ago. In part two, I'm going to tell you what my favorite scene in this movie is. We're going to find out from Joe what some of his other favorite Abbott and Costello films are, and we're just going to have fun talking about the boys. So I hope you enjoy part two of our discussion. Like I said, this episode goes out Thursday morning, Thursday night. If you're in the area and you're going to be at the movies, well, look me up. I'll be the big guy in the Hawaiian shirt with a recorder. I know a couple of listeners and former guests of Monster Kid Radio are going to be there. So I'm hoping to check in a little bit and maybe play some recordings from The Crash on next week's show. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Hopefully it'll work out, you know, if the mummies don't get me first. I believe the movie is Santo versus the Mummies of Guanajuato, so I cannot wait. I think this is one I've actually seen, but to see it on the big screen, man, it's going to be a whole new experience. Contact information. You can find everything that you need to know about Monster Kid Radio at monsterkidradio.net. You're just going to have to go over there yourself for me because, like I said, not in front of my laptop. I don't have my voicemail number memorized, so you can find our voicemail phone number on our website. You can also email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and join the Facebook group, which is where we announced the Monster Kid Radio Crash event. Join us on Facebook if you want to be kept up to date for any live events that Monster Kid Radio might have something to do with or if we're going to crash a party somewhere. You want to know what's going on. You want to be part of the Facebook group. And you want to give us a review in the iTunes store. We are in the middle of our 50 review challenge in the iTunes store. If we can get 50 reviews, 50 honest reviews in the iTunes store, we're going to launch a new show as part of the Monster Kid Radio Network. I would really like to get to 50 reviews next month because next month is the 50th anniversary. Well, I don't want to ruin it. If we get to 35 reviews, I'll announce what the special show will be. We are almost there. As of well, the last time I logged on, we were at 32 reviews in the American iTunes store. Of course, we appreciate any support that everybody gives us in any other podcatcher as well, whether it's Stitcher, whether you do it through some other podcatcher. We appreciate all the support and all the love that you've given Monster Kid Radio over the past, well, 
think we launched in May, so we're getting pretty close to... No, we're not. We're still kind of far away. I'm just excited because we've got a lot of plans for 2014. This new show I want to launch once we get to 50 reviews. We've got another miniseries planned as well. It's going to be a blast. 2014 is going to be the year of Monster Kid Radio. There's some things happening in June that I'll talk about once we get closer to that. It's an exciting time for us here, and I hope it's exciting for you guys and gals as well. So I'm going to get back to... uh, trying not to hurt myself on any of the machines here in the gym and you can listen to part two of our discussion about abbott and costello meet the killer boris karloff with joe stuber right after this Each fortnight to the IndyCast, the world's number one Indiana Jones fan podcast. Trust me. Featuring the latest news, reviews, and interviews with on-screen and behind-the-scenes talent who help bring to life the greatest adventure movie series ever made. Each episode has the latest from the world of Indiana Jones, as well as interactive segments, trivia, contests, and specials, including radio dramas and music retrospectives. The IndyCast. It's a transmitter. It's a radio for speaking to God. Available in iTunes or listen directly at theindycast.com. If adventure has a name, it must be the IndyCast. The only thing that, for me, that I kind of wish was a little different in most of those scenes is that it's just Costello and Karloff. You don't have Abbott in there. You don't have Bud in there doing much. But, you know, the payoff is still so good. I still loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like in this movie they spend a lot of time apart doing things. And I don't know. Is that a formula that would continue in the other Meat movies? I, I'm trying to recall if it happened in the other Meat movies. But I know that it, it has happened before. I mean, um, t- I think it's Time of Their Lives where they are completely separate. I mean, lose a ghost in the mm. movie. And so their characters are completely separated. They have no interaction with what's, uh, with one another. And that – Next to Frankenstein is probably my favorite Evan Costello movie. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a brilliant film. The comedy in it is perfect. I just remember watching that over and over and over and over and over as a kid. So to me, I don't always have to have them completely interacting together, but there are enough scenes. You want them interacting. The scene where Albert's character, they think, has poisoned <laughs> Lou. Yeah. Because they bar- burst into the room and he's got the, the – well, Lou doesn't drink. You know, he's his character. He's like, the bubbles are tickling my nose. You know? He's like yeah. trying to push the drink away. You know, <laughs> Well, they burst in and he's holding this thing. and the, So they just start dumping these uh, <laughs> antidotes or what they think are antidotes <laughs> down the street. And what's great about that scene is the way it was originally supposed to be shot uh-huh. was it was all supposed to take place off camera. Like all you heard was like gurgling sounds while Bear's character is being interrogated. Like why did you – you know, what – asking all these questions and then you just hear Lou off camera gurgling as, as Abbott is just pouring <laughs> the stuff down his throat. It's so much better when you see it. Cause yeah, Bud comes running out of these. What else you got? <laughs> give him this. And Lou's just staggering out, trying to get them to understand. He never drank the champagne in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you want interaction between Bud and Lou. That to me is classic. That's classic. classic Bud Bud and Lou. Lou. That is yeah. classic. That's a classic thing. One of my favorite scenes in this movie and, you know, it's a gag that you've seen. I mean, I've seen it in film since then, and I'm sure it happened beforehand. But I like the scene where they're playing bridge with the corpses. Perfect. Oh, that is a classic. It's great. And the wit and I don't know if this was a writing. I don't know if this is something Abbott and Casella brought to the scene. But, you know, when the corpse starts to tilt over, he's like, hey, no cheating. It's just not even miss- missing a beat. 
It's just yeah. quick and smooth and in control and Lou dressed up as a maid. Um. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, it's perfect. It, it's absolutely perfect. And then I mean, um, I'm trying to remember the actor that, that was like hitting on him. Right. Yeah. It's somebody. It's another uh, employee of the hotel who's hitting on him. I right. mean, hugging him and, and trying to get a kiss or get a smack. Oh, uh, and, Percy Helton. Percy oh, okay. Helton. Yeah. Is yeah. the yeah, and he's like, you don't know him to know the name, but you'll recognize him when you see him, that voice, that sort of raspy voice. And yep. yeah, and he's trying to hit on Lou. It's perfect. And you know, you mentioned that in Australia and New Zealand. Imagine seeing this movie in Australia and New Zealand mm-hmm. at, during, back in the day, and no scenes with corpses. I can't imagine this movie without it because they become it's the movie. The, it's the movie. They become part of the joke. Yeah, it's called Meet the Killer, Boris yeah. Karloff. So somebody has to be dead. They cut out the scenes with the corpses, including the classic card playing scene. See, I so, love the card playing scene. I couldn't imagine missing, seeing the movie without it. Yeah, and De- and like I said before, Denmark banned it altogether. So whole you know whole different world back then. But yeah, they just uh, there's some censorship on the uh, Avon Costello movies. Now, it's been, what, this movie came out in 1949. Film yep. is much different. The landscape is much different now when it comes to what we watch on TV and the movies, that sort of thing. Even though this movie is filled with a bunch of corpses, it's not gory. It's not graphic. I mean, they talk about a bloody handkerchief, but you really don't see a lot of blood. No, so there's I can't that, imagine this. and there's a little bit of blood on the floor, and there, there's even a joke that disarms the, the the tension there, too, when they make a joke about the, you know, there's like some sauce on the floor or something yeah. like that. But no, it's not. I mean, it's... It's hard it's to a imagine. Comedy. Yeah. It's a it's a dark comedy, but it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, 1949, other countries. You know, you know the censorship laws that were in yeah, this country. That's true. That's true. You who know, knows? who knows what they were thinking back then? Yeah, you got two two dead bodies propped up playing cards. <laughs> uh, you know what? I don't know what it was like in Australia, and New Zealand back in the 40s, but they did not want to see that. We should ask Ed from the IndyCast. You know, he might know a little bit more than <laughs> Ed. What were the censorship laws like back in 1949 in Australia? Why couldn't Evan Costello fans see dead bodies playing cards? <laughs> uh, so that's my favorite scene in the movie is is the the bridge playing scene. This, the bodies are all over the place. So I mean, we've got a lot of you talked about the the moving body, the traveling body. They're propping bodies up left and right, and they keep falling into the cart or falling off the hook, or they seem to follow. Costello around quite a bit. He's like he's some right. sort of corpse magnet. They just follow him from scene to scene, and yeah, well, he puts him in the elevator, and then they yeah. good, and then they the ele- he goes somewhere else in the hotel, and the elevator opens, and the bodies are there. Yeah, and who is it? The inspector wanted a, a towel, and he's like pushing the cart, and he's like getting a towel <laughs> where the dead bodies are in the hamper. I love, even though Costello's the one who just saw the body last and hid it somewhere. When he sees it again, it still freaks him out. <laughs> he still reacts like whoa. <laughs> Like, what did you expect, you know? Yeah, he, I, he's brilliant in it. Oh, he's great. I mean, I, I don't think it's a body shock scene or a body jump, scare jump, I guess you could call it. I think it's something else where somebody else comes bursting into a room and he just reacts and he bangs his head on the back of the door. Yeah. I love exactly. that. Oh, I mean, the, yeah. When the guy moment, comes in. I love it. Yeah. It's that. And it's also, as they do in most of their films, they break the fourth wall. Oh, so yeah. there's so many things where he's doing something, you know, or there's the, the body hanging there and then you hear the the eerie music and then he just does those double takes to the camera mm-hmm. you know or he actually even speaks to the audience i love that i mean i know we're never going to see that again you know in mainstream films for the most part but man when they used to do that in the 40s like bob hope used to do that all the time oh yeah he's hoping crosby mm-hmm. yeah they talk right to the camera they make a joke about a skeleton key and he says it's a skeleton key 
Yeah. He's like, who'd you get it from? Red Skelton. I mean, you know, oh. making fun of other movie stars at the time. I just, I love watching that. Is that a holdover from their background with like the burlesque and the vaudeville circuit and that sort of thing? Because you are talking directly to an audience in that regard. Oh, I would imagine so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, you're, because they're, they're picturing an audience in front of them, whether they're on the stage or they're on the screen. And you see that in Looney Tunes all the time. You know, Bugs Bunny. Oh, that's true. Yeah. The camera where they're like, they'll talk right out like the, who's the gossamer? The monster, the big orange monster, and he'll oh, yeah, like, yeah. talk directly to the camera. You know, Bugs will talk directly to the camera. So you saw that in the 40s all the time. It was like it was a play. And you know there's an audience there, and we're just going to interact with you. And Costello was one of the best to do that. Oh, oh yeah. Just to love the looks that he gives the camera. He gives the audience. He gave me. Well, he was talking to me while making this movie, man. He was talking to me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. You know, he's like, you know, you see the dead body swinging behind him, hanging there. You know, as you mentioned, Abbott's not there. So he's got to interact with somebody. It's like, oh, I'll just talk to the audience. Yep, yep. Love it. So, um, And we also mentioned in the, at this point of the film, they're like everybody's trying to kill Lou. They know they're all suspects. As long as the attention's on Lou, if he dies, then the heat's off of them. He right. just takes the blame for everything. So then there's all the, these attempts made on Lou's life. So you see a lot of those double takes, those reactions. The one thing I thought was we mentioned uh, earlier, the health club scene. I don't know if you know the background uh, on this at all, but he actually almost died while making this scene, you while shooting this scene. You mentioned something about this scene being uh, more difficult for him to shoot. What happened during this scene? Well, he, he was already in poor health. We talked about that. He was already under stress. He already had poor health going in. Instead of real steam, basically, Lou is in the, the health club area. He's trying to, to, to talk to one of the other suspects to see if he can get him to tip his hand. The guy leaves, and then this creepy hand comes out. The killer, whoever the real killer is, turns the steam all the way up. Uh, again, we've seen this in a, in a bunch of different films, but instead of using real steam, the crew used dry ice in water, and that released a CO2 vapor and cut off the oxygen supply oh. in that cabinet where they were shooting. And so, like after 15 minutes, Lou started complaining of a headache. He's like, "Yeah, something's not right." I don't know if, and he like passed out, and they they got him out of there. They rushed him out of there. But if he had been in there any longer, easily could have could have died during shooting that scene. So. Um, and again, that probably didn't help his health. No, not <laughs> at all. all. I can't so imagine that. Really put his all into this scene, and, and the movie in general. I mean, you've got that. You've got the hot lights from the shooting to begin with, and yep. yeah, man, I can't imagine. Yeah, wow. Now these guys, these guys put everything into their movies, heart and soul. When you watch an Abbott and Costello film, they leave everything, everything on the stage. We talked a little bit about the cavern. This sequence in the film, once they go to the cavern. I feel like the movie kind of threatened to break itself in two types of films because you've got this kind of murder mystery happening at the hotel and now we're suddenly at a different location, a different scene. It could have felt different, but because you've got Lou and Bud and all that, everybody still involved, I feel like they blended the two set pieces together really well. They they set it up at the beginning. It's you know we're talking about it's the it's the lost the, uh, caverns. I mean it's the lost caverns. Yeah. So we know that that is there. So that's been set up ahead of time. And I think they probably tried to evoke some of that sense of Evan Costello meet Frankenstein there with the big sets. Yeah. Uh, because most of the movie takes place in the hotel, so you don't have those big, huge, beautiful sets. But boy, do they make up for it in the cavern. That looks yeah. beautiful, and I so wish I could see this on a big screen. 
If it's ever, I mean, could you imagine oh, those, just seeing that on the big screen? That set piece, I mean, I loved it. I mean, you know, it was a set somewhere, you know, it wasn't yeah. like, a, but man, it looked great. I would have loved it, to have seen that on a big screen somewhere. Man, that'd be amazing. Did you remind you of Temple of Doom? A little bit, you know. Yeah, it really did to me. It just really like when Indy and, and Willie and Short Round are going into the Temple of Doom. Uh huh. And they see those caverns and, you know. It's just so it, big and deep. And I'm sure a lot of it was matte painting and set pieces and things like that. But man, it looks great. Yeah, the crew did, yeah, the special effects crew did an amazing job making it look like what it's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've got so many, uh, great things. We mentioned the, and there's a lot of like jokes. Yeah. That take place in there. And I don't, the, the one was, well, you get the echo gag. <laughs> so, you know, he, he, you know, Costello hears his own voice and he goes one side and says, you know, and then he says another and then, and then all of a sudden all three voices are in unison, yeah. Yeah. which we've seen that, but it's, it's when he does it, it's amazing. Well, you it's the his movie. reaction to it that makes <laughs> it, it sells it. <laughs> that, so. that take. Yeah. And then the moving candle, but it starts with, and it's cause it's sitting on a turtle and poor turtle. <laughs> it's like, again, another one of these set pieces, there's like a slide that goes down into this pit of muck. Mm hmm. And like the, this turtles, <laughs> I felt kind of bad for the turtle, you know, yeah. and then the candles and then the killer substitutes a stick of dynamite. So very Looney Tunes as we're going here too. And it's a little cartoony. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, I, I paused it like a bunch of times, but Lou like throws the, the stick into this one area and starts to walk away. And there's the explosion from the dynamite stick blowing up. I don't know how they cut that or what, but it looks like Lou had just walked away right when that explosion goes off. Huh. Cause it's awfully close and you see his, I paused it, you know, and gone frame by frame and his reaction is just like, it looks like he's taken by surprise at the impact of that explosion. I don't know if you caught that from that, but no, it, it, I'll have to go back and check it out again. Darn. It seems awfully <laughs> close. Like, how much danger were these guys in? You know, like how much did the stunt crew really? Because that's Lou. I mean, it's obviously he throws yeah. it. In, it's not a, it's not from behind. It's not a, it's not a stunt double. It's very close. And then out of nowhere, there's a bear. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like it's so random. Of course, there's a bear. <laughs> did you even get that? I, I saw the bear. I'm like, what? What? But it's like where the explosion was. So like, did yeah. he like open up his cavern and the bear's like, Arr, you woke me up. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly what just, Yes. And that's, that's not my, my bear impression. That's, well done, sir. <laughs> I thought you put a real bear on there for a second. I was like, <laughs> but yeah, then we get this like, um, then it's the killer, but it's like a weird, it's like, it's like he's wearing a raincoat, which <laughs> looks kind of creepy. The killer is, I mean, it's an odd setup for the killer. I mean, I understand they're trying to disguise his face and even disguise his voice a little bit. Yeah. Did he sound like Bane to you? He sounded a little bit like Bane, but because of how his face <laughs> is covered as well, he's got the lisp. So are they doing a callback to Karloff's character? You know, it's, yeah. although it's an odd choice. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to be but and lose. <laughs> exactly it was exactly. so strange yeah it was a precursor to bane but um <laughs> and the only the other whole... thing is like why did he try to blow like the whole thing is uh, they're trying to get this handkerchief that's the that's the the MacGuffin. they're right. trying to get this handkerchief because it's got the blood on it. it's going to prove well lou doesn't have it I mean, they're just trying to trick people into things so they can flush the killer out. But he's trying to get the handkerchief from Lou. Why did he try to blow him up? Yeah, I don't know. 
that's the strange part for me because then then he tries to save him because then Lou obviously falls down in this bottomless pit. He grabs onto the rope. He's like swinging around, and you know the you know Bane. He's like, oh, I'm going to kill you. Like, oh, stop swinging, you know. And he's like, put the rope around you. And he like pulls him back up, but then he gets stuck. And, and I knew like, that was coming. There was right, no way course. he was going to fit through that little hole. <laughs> it's Lou. He's, he's you know he's a little he's a little heavy. He's a drain plug, like he says. He's, he calls himself a drain plug. And he's like, it's in my room. The handkerchief's in my room. So, you know, Bane's like, you know, oh, I'm going to go to your room. I'll get the handkerchief. You know, and so and he floods <laughs> the place. It's like, Lou, why did you tell him that? Tell him you have it on you and you got to pull him up or something. You know, I don't know. Well, it's Lou. Of course, he's like. <laughs> no, he's drowning. Yeah. yeah. So that, but that whole, it's weird and cool at the same time. Yeah. It's just, a, you know, it's not. The big finale of Frankenstein. Look, no, nothing's gonna. No, not that. no. That, that's a classic finale. I don't know how yeah, you would yeah, top yeah. that. You can't. So don't even try. It's 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 a very cool set piece. It's real creepy, moody, eerie, and Lou's in trouble and he has to be rescued. And Bane is gonna try to get the handkerchief. And yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Did it seem odd to you that Bud left the cavern sequence? Yes. That seemed a little odd to me. Like he twists his ankle and he's like, "Oh, I." gotta go like are they trying to maybe imply that he's the killer now because he suddenly disappeared and well all this there is the scene yeah right after that because lou certainly believes it because yeah. they get back remember lou's got the whole room booby trapped for <laughs> boobs why'd you booby trap the room for boobs yep he's got his whole room booby trapped and he traps bud yeah and so it's like why was Wait a minute! I just told you that the that the handkerchief was back in my room, and all of a sudden you're knocked out in the room. So there could have been that element of it of why did Bud have to leave? But then you you know you've got the comedy with Lou. I don't know that you would have that with Bud because Bud could rescue Lou. So Lou had to get in trouble without Bud. So I think That's that was true. more of, of of like how do we get Bud out of the out of the picture? Oh, he hurt his ankle and he has to go back. Okay. I, I mean, yeah. At that point, are you questioning anything? Well, not anymore. I mean, at this point, it's like that's that's not what this movie's really about. You got anyway. Bane in a raincoat <laughs> running around <laughs> and bears coming out of nowhere. It's a, yeah, well, let's not question things. Let's just have fun with Lou. Can we talk about the booby traps real quick? The booby yeah. traps. For an idiot who can't figure out how to kill himself, he seems to devise uh, quite an elaborate Home Alone style. I'm going to drop the couch on anybody who walks in this room kind of trap. How did he get it up there? I have no idea. I was hoping you could tell me. And he, he, he can't even figure out how to be a bellboy. Yeah. He can't even figure out how to take the bags up to the room without killing the guests. And yet, yeah, this whole elaborate <laughs> set piece. He's like some, like, like some booby trap savant <laughs> that like somehow this is like, he knows how to do these things. And it's like, all right. But again, we just saw a bear, a guy in a bear suit. <laughs> I'm not going to question anything with that. Of course he has booby traps for boobs. Of course he does. And, uh, and, and again, it sets up the comedy nice. So yeah, Bud goes back to room. He gets the couch dropped on him. And he's just like laying there all passed out and stuff. Like he didn't bother to try to get up or anything. He just, no, he's just like all under I'm there. done. I'm just going to hang out. Somebody will be along soon. Yeah. And then of course the, the, the big reveal. Then you get this. And again, it's not the thin man. It's not Agatha Christie. It's not <laughs> Hitchcock, but you do have the trope of let's gather all the suspects and the big reveal of the killer. Do we say who the killer is? What do we want to hold off on that one? It's your show, man. It's your show. You know, go, go watch the movie. Find out who the go killer is. Go watch the movie. And if you can explain to me what the plot is, feel free to write in to Monster Kid Radio. There you go. There you go. I actually had to like 
watch this a couple times to get everything. I mean, again, the plot's not, you know, up to that point. You you've gotten your money's worth. It's you've seen the boys go crazy and do all those things, but mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense when you think about it. Because like the the inspector's like, I knew all along who it was. It's like, well, then why did if you did? Yeah, why did you have to go through all of this with the? <laughs> yes. But yeah, there's the big reveal, and it's like, you know, was it you? Dun, dun, dun. Was it you? You know, and then like they sort of explain things as it goes. But the comedy is that at this point, Lou thinks it's Bud. So everything he says, he's but it's Casey. Mm-hmm. Casey, Casey did it. Yep. And then you think you see Bud start going, "Hey, shh, keep quiet. I don't want the attention on me." <laughs> so you kind of get the boys going at it again, which yeah. is kind of cool. Which is, you know, you couldn't end the movie without having one more scene between the two of them kind of bickering, and it's, you oh, know, yeah. the, these two guys, they got along in real life. I mean, you could tell they they had a lot of chemistry with each with each other, um, and it's just a treat. Oh yeah. The last time we spoke about a film with them in it together, Meet Frankenstein. I remember telling myself, I need to go watch more Abbott and Costello movies. And I still feel that way. I just haven't made it happen yet. Um, despite the fact that they're pretty easily available on DVD, aren't they? I think they've had, they have the collections out, like the Universal Collection. So I've got like a four-volume set, which pretty much has everything you need. We talk about those independent films that they did. Some of the – but you, they were public domain for a while, so you can buy those dollar racks or something now. You can you know, a penny on Amazon or something like that. Uh, but they're coming out with Blu-rays now. You know, they're, they're releasing the bigger ones on Blu-ray. Obviously, you have Frankenstein, uh, is on Blu-ray. So you've got a lot of these universal anniversary movies coming out. So you can get them on, yeah, they look stunning. Uh, but even the DVD sets look stunning to me. I mean, they look pretty crisp. So they're all out there. There's a whole collection of just their television series that they had, you know, the Evan Costello show. So it's, to me, it's kind of like Star Trek. Even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. <laughs> you know, even if you get a, a clunker, Evan Costello, you still got the boys. You still yeah. got the routines. The you know the actors surrounding him. Sometimes the plots are a little bit suspect, but you always have them. It's you're never going to watch an Evan Costello movie and not be entertained. It's not going to happen. What would you say is your favorite Evan Costello film? Period. Oh, Frankenstein. Really? Yeah. Frankenstein. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it begins and ends with Frankenstein. Just because there's just. Like they had taken it to a new level there. I lo- you know, you got a lot of the, the wartime films, and some some of those were similar. I, I like those. You have the the music is great. You have the Andrews sisters, oh, yeah. and a lot of them. So sometimes you know some of those old songs you have are great. You've got the burlesque routines. You obviously have who's on first. You have all these different things that they do. But to me, they kind of took it to a different level with the monster movies, and it's just watching Costello get scared. That's money in the bank. Oh, I he's love great. That. Yeah. I love that. So that one, it's Time of Their Lives is an amazing film. Was it the Revolutionary War? And it's, you know, Costello's a ghost. Okay, yeah, that's one you were mentioning earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that was uh, also directed by Charles Barton, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it is directed by Charles Barton. Yeah, one of the seven that he did. Uh, so I'm kind of flipping back through. But that's another one I haven't seen in so long. Set in 1780. And again, it's set originally there, and then it comes modern day. That one I definitely want to want to ruin for anybody because it's a really fun ride so yeah if you get that one and again they're in two different eras so they don't interact Evan costello in this one so it's a very different type of Evan costello film and yet the comedy is it's brilliant it's really really good film probably very underrated too well now i want to check that one out if he's got a ghost you know i'm set there you go (laughs) 
We talk about it on Monster Kid Radio. Hey, there you go. There you go. Well, we are going to do more of the meat movies. And the next one in that, I, we're going to call it a series, even though it might not officially be a series. The next one is The Invisible Man. But there was a film between this one and The Invisible Man. It's not like they settled onto this formula and then that's all they did. They continued to work in other I, I don't want to say other genres because they're all comedies, but they did not just stick with the spooky. Like I said, they would do other projects. Yeah, I mean, up next is the Foreign Legion. So just whatever script seemed to fit what they needed to at any given time. But they knew that that formula would work. They knew it worked in Frankenstein. This movie made money. You know, they kept the budget tight. It made money. And when you think about it, the, the problem with this one is that they released this one and they and uh, United Artists released Africa Screams at the same time. So they were competing Ooh. at the box office with each other. So this movie probably – Meet the Killer Boris Carl probably could have made a lot more money if the Evan Costello fans weren't split. You know, it's like you got too – you got too much product. Again, make a Star Trek reference. I mean look what you know, killed the franchise. Too much product You know, so, until, they, until they reboot it again. But yeah, you've got too much of a good thing there. It's like, you know what, just release Meet the Killer and then release Africa Screams. But it still made money and at the end of, at the, end of the year – they were number three on the top box office draws. Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, one and two. Evan Costello, number three. So you can't argue with success. So this came out the same year as Africa Scream. So I, yep. I, my, my uh, frequent guest, Scott Morris, who's been on the show repeatedly, and he's my co-host on 1951 Downplays, he's a huge James Bond fan. So can we say that this might have been the octopusy to the Africa Screams, never seen ever again? <laughs> never seen ever again. <laughs> It could be. I don't. I don't know if I put the quality of Africa Screams on <laughs> either of those films, but but again, it's Bud and Lou. Uh, yeah. I've I've seen it. I, it's not Africa Screams isn't my favorite Bud and Lou film, but there's still a lot of good moments in it. Yeah, they've got a lot of different things, you know, in between uh, the monster movies. But uh, they actually even did one with uh, Charles Lawton, uh, Meet Captain Kid. Uh, so they, you know, they worked with a lot of different people. It's good stuff. I mean, it's all good stuff. Do yourself a favor. Just go get those box sets and just you know just sit down and watch you some Alan Costello are we going to do meet Captain Kid would you consider that part of that set that one I would not (laughs) no I've actually seen that one it's it's good it's not great okay um interesting I think that one was in color yeah I think they did that one and also Jack and the Beanstalk they had done like some of these fairy tale movies so if you want to put those in a series almost like a fairy tale uh, kind of series where they had done some of these color pictures which they hadn't really done before they're okay they're, it's Abin Costello light um it, it's kind of neat to see like you said those scenes with um Lou and Boris Karloff that you love you get those scenes with with Lawton uh what you know and he he loved the guys he wanted to be in a movie with them uh so you know it, it just it's the, the script isn't completely great but it's kind of fun watching them you know but watch these other ones first okay. <laughs> if you haven't All seen right. Frankenstein if you haven't seen Time of Their Lives uh, if you haven't seen all the, you know, I would say typically Invisible Man, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, Meet the Mummy, Meet the Killer of Boris Karloff, Frank. I would put those in the in the genre. Okay. Well, we are going to have you back on. But between now and then, if people want to hear you on a podcast, you're on a couple of different shows regularly. One's your own and one's uh, another show. Well, we talk about the IndieCast quite about here on uh, Monster Kid Radio. I run the promo every once in a while. You are one of the co-hosts of the Further Adventures of Indiana Jones segment on that show. Yeah, we appreciate you you running that. So, yeah, people aren't haven't gotten sick of my voice yet. <laughs> Go get sick of my voice somewhere else. Yeah, Keith Voss and I, coming. To, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but we're coming into the home stretch 
Uh, we were covering every issue of The Further Adventures of Indiana Jones, the Marvel Comics run in the 80s. 34 issues were coming into the home stretch. So we've got a really cool giveaway coming up. And we'll kind of announce where we're going to go from there after uh, once we get a little closer to the end of the run there. I love the IndieCast, and I love what you do over there. But I've also been really oh, enjoying you. your new podcast project, which we've run the promo on. Monster Kid Radio 4 as well, but I want to talk about Comic Book Central real quick. It's one of my favorite new podcasts of last year. Oh, um, I love the show. Nice, nice of you to say. I, I wish I had, had your audience. <laughs> 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 I envy your audience. Uh, thank you very much. It's very, yeah, we launched that last year, so it's a project I've been wanting to do for quite a while. You know, comicbookcentral.net is where people can find that, and it's where comic books come to life. I love the tagline because that's exactly what you're doing. You're talking to these people who have been involved in various adaptations of the comic books. So you're not just talking comics. You're talking about people who are adapting the comics. And, I mean, you just had Jonathan Frakes on, for crying out loud, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, Commander Riker himself and uh, and his on-screen wife, Marina Sirtis. That was yeah. kind of fun. Yeah, I got the chance to meet her very briefly <laughs> at a comic convention, so it was kind of nice to, to pair those up in, in one. But, uh, yeah, we, we touched a little bit on Star Trek, and that's a project that, you know, that, that became comics, kind of. But but I, Star Trek was so associated in the world of comics. DC Comics had a huge run oh, yeah. in the 80s. Gold Key had a really classic run. So And uh, he directed an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, recently, and they've both done some voiceover for DC Comics. So yeah, some of these things tie. Having a lot of fun. Did mm-hmm. uh, 75th anniversary of Superman, 35th anniversary of Superman the movie, Ilya Salkine. Uh, we just uh, talked to Jamie Alexander, mm-hmm. uh, which was fun. Uh, so yeah, we're having a blast. So it's, and appreciate everything you're doing to get the word out. That's it's a uh, great awesome. show. And uh, you know, if anybody wants to sample the show, I mean, any episode's good. But I think my favorite so far has been your Jack O'Halloran because growing Everybody up, I watched that. Superman two every freaking day after school. I loved <laughs> Superman two and I loved Non. And is that a they, great movie or what? It's a great movie, and your interview with him is awesome because he sounds like such. He sounds like he's made of teddy bears. He sounds like he's such yes. a nice guy, but he's not. He's the one that doesn't speak and just, ooh, you know, but he sounds like such a warm guy. He was amazing. Yeah. It's one of those things where you're not sure when you go to talk to you know, are they going to be like their character? Or they, and, you know, there are definitely elements of him that he talked about that he, he does, he takes no prisoners. But yeah, when you're talking to him, he's a big old teddy bear. Yeah. Yep. And, but then you realize the background of his family and who his dad was. And it's like, whoa, wow, where did that come from? Yeah, uh, it's crazy. He talks about working with Mitch. Yeah, people tell me that all the time. I wasn't obviously Superman two came out quite a while ago, and people have said Jack O'Halloran's like their favorite interview. I've heard yeah. that from a bunch of different people. So it, it was fun. He's been great. Yeah, no, he's, I, I, and he's on Facebook. Go go Facebook friend him. You can be friends with Non. <laughs> for crying out loud, how cool is that? That is pretty cool. Is Comic Book Central on Facebook? You've got a Facebook page, right? Facebook.com slash Comic Book Central Network. Uh, as you mentioned, Comic Book Central dot net. And we're also on Twitter at comicbookctrl, and uh, love to hear from uh, your viewer, your listeners especially too. You know, jump on board. You, you're cranking out. Well, you're cranking out a lot more product than I. Am, well, so. <laughs> I, I still, I still stand in awe of what you have accomplished. So, uh, but yeah, drop me a line, Joe at comicbookcentral.net. Yeah, we'll make sure there's links to at least the website and the Facebook page over in the show notes so people can go check it out. And if they do check it out, Del Monster Kid Radio sent you. We'll definitely be mentioning this and uh, everything you're doing. So, yeah, I just – I haven't figured out how you're putting out so much product. <laughs> I, I haven't it's figured amazing. it out either. <laughs> <laughs> just the indie cast and this, I'm just like exhausted. So, uh, but, but good on you. Yeah, and you, and you guys are doing some, some, some great podcasts as well. I just I really, really get a kick out of what you're doing. It's top-notch, professional. Love it. 
go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. Oh, okay, I got it. Have me on again, and we'll talk some more. <laughs> we will, Joe. Thanks for joining us today, man. Thanks. You heard the promo for the IndieCast at the beginning of the show. You heard us talk about Comic Book Central at the end of our discussion. Go check those two podcasts out. They're fantastic. I love them. Comic Book Central, I meant it. One of my favorite podcasts to launch last year. And the non-interview or the Jack O'Halloran interview, fantastic. So go check that out. Now, next week here on Monster Kid Radio, depending on what I'm able to record tonight at the movie, we'll, we'll see. I've got some other things on deck if it doesn't quite work out. But, yeah, we're going to bring you some coverage from the Monster Kid Radio crash next week on Monster Kid Radio at the very least. So we'll check in with you then. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that does not apply to the song Harada de Plomo. That appears on Monster Kid Radio with the permission of the band Dirty Surf. It's on their album, Luchin Kenten Sangren. You can find a link to their website at dirtysurf.bandcamp.com on our website, monsterkidradio.net. Talk to you next week. 